when you're in such contemplative practices and in, in, in that inquiry, obviously a lot can arise. It's not just, you know, we don't share just one emotion, which is joy. Mm-hmm. And so it was through that that I started to peel back the, the layers, the patternings of, of, oh, this is an emotion. This is an emotion that's triggered by a memory from an event of, and, and started to bridge uh, together awareness Mm-hmm. to apply some healing in my own life. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less, and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler, and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality, and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. So first off, I want to take a moment to acknowledge all of you for joining us today. Your time is the most valuable asset. I totally honor and respect your time and thank you for carving out some time to listen to us today. Uh, It's my highest of intentions that you gain a ton of value out of this conversation. And given that you get a ton of value out of this conversation, please be sure to subscribe to the Freedom Hack Radio YouTube channel and tell your friends about it and spread the love. So Freedom Hack Radio is all about helping you self-design your own freedom lifestyle. And today, my friends, we are going to bridge the gap between health and spirituality. And to join us today in this discussion is Susan Ray. Susan is a RYT 500 certified yoga teacher who specializes in teaching yin. She is a Usi Tibetan Reiki master teacher and healer who highly reveres the intricacies of the subtle body and continues to immerse herself in the studies of chakra and meridian theory, kundalini, meditation, and paranyama. Susan is known for her capacity to harness and cultivate the positive qualities within others. She believes the essence of a spiritual practice manifests in how one engages with the world. She is devoted to living from the heart and making the principles of yoga and Reiki accessible and vital for everybody. She she mixes her joyful spirit and calming nature to make students feel seen and at ease. Susan views the practice of spirituality of yoga as an inward journey to one's true essence. She reverently holds space to create a way for others to relax into stillness and quietude so they may be able to experience their own internal landscape to access the river of peace and joy that resides within. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bryce, for having me. Hello. You know, Susan, I really want to start here today. I'm super curious. Uh, what's got you feeling so much gratitude today? Hmm. Well, that's one of the main uh, principles of a Reiki practice. And it's one that um, I would say I start and end my day with. And really, 
it serves on a multitude of levels, but really the goal of gratitude for me is to break free from the illusion of fear. And so what has me uh, feeling grateful is being in, in these moments of vulnerability, of uncertainty, the knowingness that change is all around and, and that that's perfectly natural and it's nature. And that brings me some comfort and solace uh, in, in the present moment. I'm also grateful for this virtual community and having the opportunity to sit with you today. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on your note of gratitude, I think that's a very bold and courageous thing to be to have gratitude for. I mean, you have the opportunity to sort of go the other way and a lot of people could shy away from that. You're, you're looking at the situation and going, all right, I have gratitude for this. Let's go. And I honor you for that. That's huge. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, they're, they're on the path of like the status quo and, you know, all of the people that have been on that path that I've spoken to reached a point of maybe dissatisfaction, maybe what they thought they were going to get out of these material items didn't bring what they, what, what they were expecting. And, um, and so I, I've had this kind of shift in my life where I was looking for the financial side of things. I attained it. And then I realized that there was other things missing like relationships spirituality having fun um, and mm -hmm. so I know you've had your own journey and your own path too and you used to uh, have a path in the in the business world as well so do you want to talk about what that experience was like for you and how you made the shift into uh, yin yoga well like like you were saying I mean it is a process and so it, it kind of reoccurs and we go through iterations of, of change um, it first began for me uh, swiftly and uh, uh, abruptly, if you will, in uh, like around 2010, it was the downturn of the whole subprime, um, 2008, 2009, and I had kind of a, a high-end job in San Francisco and had a lifestyle that one would have thought at, you know, 30, early 30s um, was the life, was it, like you hit it. Um, and I think I remember sharing with you, it was one moment when I was sitting on the hardwood floor in my living room and the fire was lit and I literally for the first time caught my breath and just said, what is it? Like, what is it that I'm here for? What do I really, what is meaningful and significant, significant to me? And as I started to kind of tune outward from that inward question, I found that I wasn't that interested in everything that was around me. And I was more curious at what that whisper was inside. And so then that kind of uh, prompted the, the journey and some circumstances uh, led to me getting um, a golden parachute, if you will, to leave the financial sector. And um, I ended up taking a sort of midlife gap year <laughs> mm -hmm. and traveled around and got to experience other cultures and ways of being, mm. not being, you know, attached to um, an order, so to speak, not having to really march for anybody else to wake up and to decide what is it I want to do today? Like, wow, wow, I hadn't done that in, you know, my whole adult life. And so <laughs> when you reach that point of going, or you're like, you're sitting on the hardwood floor and you're like, oh my God, like 
all the things that I'd worked towards aren't actually the things that are bringing me the fulfillment that I thought mm. they were going to. Um, one, I take my hat off to you for like taking action on that because I believe that all of us have probably had some point in our life where we've reached a point of going, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Um, and we, we could do something about it or we, we would, couldn't do something about it. It's mm-hmm. up to us, right? So first off, um, my first question is, what were the things in your life at that point that you just felt a little bit dissatisfied with that weren't really making it for you? Oh. Yeah, it was some deep introspection. Um, I was married at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a really stressful uh, job that required me to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. Had a Blackberry, had a cell phone, multiple devices that I was connected into all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying is I didn't really have a true sense of identity of who who I was beneath like so-and-so's wife or said person's, you know, just job description. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make some radical decisions and have some really tough conversations. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, that's great that you actually stood up and did that. And um, it sounds to me like the situation you were in, there was a lack of freedom already going on there, you know, like you were kind of at the whims of other things and other people. And yes, uh, that can be really stressful. So you made the shift and you said you took a year off, right? So like at that point where you're like, all right, something's got to change. Did you know like what the answer was or did you, did you know exactly what it looked like on the other side or did you just take a big leap of faith and just, you knew that in your heart, it was the right thing. Yes. I mean, it was a whole heap of gumption looking back. Um, you know, and that's the blessing of, of youth. And I would say at that time, I was still quite, I was rather young, you know, and so I, and I was used to going towards things like in earnest. And so I knew what was taking place for me at the time wasn't working. It wasn't satisfying. There was something more beckoning, but I wasn't sure what it was. And so I always had uh, interest in travel and learning ways of other people. I liked to cook. And so I explored, you know, cooking in different countries and so on. Um, I think ultimately my nervous system was saying like, chill out, like take a moment. Mm. And you just listened to that and went for it. So where'd you go? What, what places did you check out? Oh, what happened? <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, one of my girlfriends ended up going with me on some of the journey. So I can remember because she always says that we did 10 in 2010. And so um, it started in Ireland and went all through throughout Europe. Um, I even did some of the Baltic and, and toured that area. Loved Sweden, loved Poland. Um, got to touch into St. Petersburg in Russia, which was super cool, and, and go see some art and plays. And, um, and then I went to your lands. I went down under, <laughs> um, toured all over Australia, went to Tassie, and then up through Southeast Asia and uh, Bali, uh, Vietnam, Thailand. Awesome. Just a few. <laughs> you, you had no choice after a year of doing that, but to have some kind of significant changes and awakenings. What were mm. your biggest takeaways from that year that you realized? I learned, you know, going back to gratitude, it's really where I started to see how other countries uh, 
began and ended their day. And I think of two massive heart center countries to me or cultures that I experienced and one being Thailand and the other significantly and having more of a role in my life to today's date is Bali. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so beginning the day in ceremony, some form of ritual became, I would say ritual is what touched in there. Okay. And did you start having your own like ritual uh, from that time on or did it like invoke you to explore that as a possibility? It did. At first it, it triggered or spawned um, a memory of, you know, as a child I grew up in church and was very kind of devotional and uh, was involved in youth ministry and, and praise and worship. And then kind of over time, of course you, you lose, you know, uh, track of that or I did anyway so it brought me back into a form of, of spirituality where I got to kind of take a, a look at it and to inquire what spirituality means to me looks like feels like how can I apply that in my life where do I feel it in my body in my heart in my soul mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something really special about, you know, Balinese people and people from Indonesia. I remember going for a surf trip there. It was somewhere around about the same time. I think it was 2010, 2009, maybe something like that. And uh, I had a scooter and a, and a surfboard and a backpack. And I was going from island to island, surfing all over the place. And uh, just going from surf spot to surf spot and going through all these little villages. And I remember there was this one uh, part of a dirt road. I was in the middle of nowhere. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. There's like palm trees all over the place and going to this one surf spot and this little old man that his shorts were just hanging off his hips and he had a ripped shirt and he had most of his teeth missing and he probably would have been about 80 years old or something and he mm -hmm. looked like he was a cattle herder and he just he stopped me on the and I was thinking oh this guy like he needs help or something because he's stopping me on my bike as I'm riding past and then he he was trying to speak to me and trying to communicate with me and I thought he wanted something from me. And he didn't mm. at all. All he wanted, he was just so curious to see someone like me because he doesn't mm. see people like me very often. He just wanted to stop and talk to me and just get to know where I'm from and what the deal was. And he mm. probably didn't have two cents to rub together. And he was one of the happiest people that I've ever met. And that for me was just like an amazing experience. I just thought, wow, you know, like this guy is really grounded and he's just found a lot of peace and love in life. And that was a consistency that I felt from Indonesia. Mm. I don't know if you had the same experience, but, but I thought that was pretty powerful isn't that it? it it brings me to the question of where do we source our joy mm -hmm. yeah when you don't have much material you know wise where does it come from where is that where is that innate peace born from mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and what do you feel if you ask yourself that question Ooh, where yeah. does that hit for you The joy comes to me back, you know, I mean, as like coming into practice of, of sourcing present moment and breath, the mystery, it's really the mystery of the miracle of life. Like, whoa, we're, we're here. Mm -hmm. Like, wahe guru, as they would say in kundalini, <laughs> you know, like that is bliss just by the significance of being able to take a breath and to not fully understand like all the innate wisdom that's within us and around us. That, and that experience, to experience the moment. Yes. And to wow. share it. Yeah. 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 Really.
So you traveled, what was it like 12 months or something like that? Did you say? You it was 12, 12, 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the end of it, like, how did you feel? Yeah. And then what new clarity did you have? Wow. Did you have like an idea of direction? You know, I thought I did <laughs> at the time, but I also had the beckoning of like, you, you got to go home. Mm. Like you kind of need to go, to go back, so to speak. And, and, reintegrate mm -hmm. like you can't and and a lot of this was programming too and god bless you know my parents mm -hmm. but it was like we're worried about you you're you know nefarious or airy fairy or peter panning around you know and how do we get a hold of you because at one time i had abandoned all cell phones and like any technology and would just go and and you know go to a little cafe to tune in maybe once a week and write a note mm -hmm. home which seems outrageous for the average American to like travel like that. It just, it does, doesn't it? It was so, free. I mean, speaking of freedom, whoa. Yeah. But then thinking of nervous system, I do want to share with you. There were times I would be laying in my little homestay in Bali and I would think I'd hear my cell phone ring. Okay. Like that's how like programmed cellularly. Wow. It was pretty weird. Um, yeah. So I ended up, making a few stops along the way as I was coming back from my quote unquote little world tour, um, eat, pray, love year or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I found myself actually falling back into a, a world of finance a little bit, but under a way that made sense for me. And yeah. so I actually went back to San Francisco and I applied for, um, like a, a business development job for a man who was starting his own hedge fund. Okay. And the cool thing about him is he was uh, a psychology major practitioner and also kind of this finance guy. So I was okay. able to kind of hybrid a little bit and, and be um, in the midst of, of reacclimating and kind of having a sense of, of purpose, if you will kind of like a yin version of the financial world? Correct. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, one of my tasks, for example, he would say, hey, Susan, tomorrow he's like, I want to go sail under the Golden Gate Bridge. Can you make that happen? <laughs> so I'd be okay, like, that is so cool. <laughs> I know. So here we are one day, you know, chartering a boat with a, a captain and we're sailing under the bridge. Awesome. <laughs> That is really cool. And, and so what did that opportunity lead you to? Mm. How did you make the shift from there into what you're doing now? Wow. Well, it facilitated um, a move where I went and bought a piece of property in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And why, I'm not really certain, um, but he allowed me to kind of keep my little freelancing job with him. Okay. And, um, I got to live out one of, so one of my other dreams before getting into business was to be an interior designer. Okay. And so I was going to school for that before I went to business school at let's say 20 and I got into my head and I said, Oh gosh, this isn't going to be a way you're going to be able to make a living. This isn't, you know, you're not maybe that talented or what have you. So anyway, that, that aside, I ended up going down the path that we've been talking about and then I get to Chicago and I get to um, develop this property, basically, you know, totally um, tear it down and, and, and rebuild it. Really? Yes. Awesome. And so that was a cool 
bridge, I guess, if you will, um, from, you know, I obviously I had parlayed some of my financial freedom that I had from working so diligently in my youth. And then I satisfied a curiosity of being able to, you know, create home, Mm -hmm. a sense of security for myself. Um, And then in that, once I had that, it left again, the inquiry sitting on the hardwood floor of, okay, now what? So we're back to that same spot. What is it that my soul needs to be doing? This is after the development project and everything. You got back to that point. You're like, all right, now that all this is done, Mm -hmm. there's still something missing. Yes. Because I'm like, okay, I cleaned up all these things, all these areas. I have this newfound sense of freedom that I hadn't had. I don't have to answer to any person. I'm not, you know, highly concerned about my income at this, this point in time. What else is it? Found a yoga studio in Chicago. Went, 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 kept going, kept going, kept going. Mm-hmm. And was that uh, a conscious decision? Like, did you go seeking for it? Were you like, I think I need yoga right now? Or were you more like called to it? I was certainly called for it or to it. Uh, and I would say now for it. But, um, you know, yoga had been courting me for since... Mm, Maybe I was maybe 19 when I took my first yoga class. I'm 43, almost 44 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that sense of going back to joy of euphoria that I felt when I came out of the, our last pose is called Shavasana, which is the final resting pose. And I felt such a sense of, uh, of freedom, of bliss, of I, I didn't even know how to describe it at the time. But I knew that that was that that was the link for me inside. Like, what what is it that's missing? Well, it's like, how do I source that? Mm-hmm. How do I source that yet again, independent of all these things? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you so you started going, and then you kept going, kept going because you you were now becoming probably slightly addicted to the feeling <laughs> of 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 the bliss um, and and the the feeling you were getting from your mm-hmm. yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then that led you into wanting to just like spend more time doing it and committing to it more and then becoming an instructor and things like this. I wish I could say it's that simple. That's one, one half of the coin. And the other side is when you're in such contemplative practices and in, in, in that inquiry, obviously a lot can arise. It's not just, you know, we don't share just one emotion, which is joy. Mm-hmm. And so it was through that that I started to peel back the the layers, the patternings of of oh, this is an emotion. This is an emotion that's triggered by a memory from an event of and and started to bridge uh, together awareness mm-hmm. to apply some healing in my own life through yoga, through yoga specifically and, meditation. Yes, and so you're kind of kind of referring to and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the yin and the yang of, of the yoga experience where you're Mm -hmm. kind of fighting some pain and some discomfort and emotions and then being calm in that and sort of accepting it and working through it and noticing it, witnessing it. Yeah. Well said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that one of my, one of my friends, he's also a guest uh, here on freedom hack radio, Brian Acosta. He, he competes Mm -hmm. in, uh, Ironman competition. He actually competed mm-hmm. in the world championship. And so he's, he's an insane athletic 
competitor and trainer. He's, he dedicates so much of his life to it. And I said, of all the training programs you've had, which one did you felt bring you, bring you uh, feeling the best out of everything? And he mm-hmm. said it was when he did Bikram yoga seven days a week for, I think he did it for months and months on end. He said he'd never felt as good as, as when he did that ever period. And I just thought that was really interesting of all the different things that he's done that, that for him was, was very satisfying. Oh, I wonder what he would say. Yeah. Why, what he thinks that brought for him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so you've, you've chosen specifically to focus on yin yoga. Do you want to like, tell us a little bit about that, what it's all about and why you chose that? Oh gosh, sure. Um, so I share um, a love for young activity, young sport as well. I grew up playing soccer mm-hmm. um, and running. And um, of course, I like um, more of, of the young aspects of uh, a power yoga class as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really truthfully brought me to yin yoga was uh, black ice in Chicago. I slipped and fell on my tailbone. And I could barely bend forward. And I, saw, I had to sit with the inquiry of, oh my gosh, what is going to happen if I can never practice yoga in the form that I knew it at the time? Okay. What will happen? And I ended up finding my yin teacher like the following weekend, which led me down this course. So that was like 2000, we'll call it 12. I don't know. <laughs> um, And then what I found in the yin practice is um, the subtleties is that you get into those deeper layers of consciousness in the body. But just to break it down, what is what is yin yoga? So yin yoga, we are working with our muscles cool and we're targeting the connective tissues and the joints and the deeper layers of fascia in the body. So from an athletic standpoint, we're basically stretching all the things that get compacted if you're a runner or a cyclist or, or what have you. But then there's a whole, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say like, where, where is that focused in our body? Is that around our hips? Mm-hmm. Is it in our back? Like where, where mm-hmm. is this section that most of the stress is? So you named it, you nailed it. Um, so it's primarily our, our target areas will, will break down the, the muscle groups of the body because people tend to recognize them the most easily. Um, but it's all targeted in, in the hips and, and the lumbar, cervical spine. You get, we get into uh, a bit of the thoracic but it's predominantly uh, long-held forward folds, back bends, and twists. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, let's say, uh, even me for right now, I've got a lot of uh, tension in my legs. I've got a lot of uh, um, cramps and pains and stuff like that. And I know it's just from my muscles. I know it's not like an actual long-term problem or anything like that. I need to be stretching more. I need to be doing more yoga. Um, I know this, but um, like what is someone in my position mm-hmm. how much should I be committing to this? It should it be mm-hmm. like, you know, twice a week, um, or, or is it just something that needs to be in my training practice consistently? I mean, I would highly recommend incorporating yin yoga into a weekly schedule. Um, and maybe, you know, starting a couple times a week would be a good foundation. 
you know, keeping it light, especially in these times, I'm finding attention spans barely go an hour when I'm teaching a class these days. Um, so thank you to the listeners who are still with us. Um, but yeah, like 20 minutes of stretching, and we typically would suggest starting with a three-minute hold for each stretch that you do. I'd be happy to share. My teacher is Paul Grilly, and he came up with um, the five archetypal poses of yin yoga. Mm -hmm. And so they target the different areas of the body. And so legs that might be drawing some energy out of your spine, maybe your, your legs are tight and your back hurts, you know. Um, mm -hmm but I'd be happy to share that with you and your community. So there would be a foundation of five simple postures that they can do. And sure. then, yeah. Um, the suggestion would be to try all five and do each five for three minutes. And so what do we have there? Three times five, you know, a 15 minute practice and then maybe a five minute practice after that lying just in what we would call the rebound or the resonance of the, the other benefit of yin, yin yoga. <laughs> is, and is that in corpse pose? Like we're literally lying on the mm -hmm. ground, corpse mm -hmm. pose, legs spread a little bit, arms out a little bit, eyes closed. Well said. Perfect. Yeah. And we also call it pentacle or I've been using just, you know, take the, the shape of a star. And so to see that star within. And, you know, I've done a lot of different yoga sessions all over the world, um, different places, and it, almost every instructor, when you get to the um, corpse pose, uh, they say, hey, like, this is literally the most important part of everything. And mm -hmm. um, why is that? Why is that such an important part of yoga? Oh, gosh. This question is so near and dear to my heart. And, you know, it's personal. It's, it's personal to, to each person and so to the listeners and, and um, take it for what you will. My, my belief and how, how I understand it now is they, the yogis believe that the practice of yoga is preparing us for our death. And so we're preparing ourselves. We're entering ourselves into a state of purification so we can come into uh, a, an element of bliss or of joy without attachment. And then our Shavasana or corpse pose is when we lay it all down and we experience the cycle of life. Mm, like, like complete, sounds like complete acceptance. Yeah. And like, you know, for, for all of you listening right now, I hate to uh, break the story for you, but no one makes it out alive. We all are going to pass on at some point. <laughs> so um, I think it's interesting to be comfortable with that and to, to just like be at ease with that. Mm. So going back, you were saying you want to keep a pose for three minutes. Now I've spoken to a lot of, um, what would you call it in America? They call it, uh, is it physical therapists? Um, physiotherapists. I can't remember what the name is in America, but uh, I've been advised by a lot of them to hold a pose for like two, at least two minutes. Okay. Um, and you know, like a lot of gym instructors and stuff like that before that would say, Oh, hold this one for 20 seconds, hold this one for like 30 seconds. And then mm -hmm. a lot of people these days are telling me, well, that those stretches don't really do a great deal. Um, you need to hold it for at least two minutes or longer. Now you're saying like three minutes, What's the significance of, of holding a pose for, for at least that amount of time? Because I'm assuming if you held it for four minutes, it probably wouldn't hurt, um, but you right. want to hold it for at least three minutes, yeah? Yes. That's, that's the benchmark of where we start. Um, 
And I would say it's because we're getting into deeper layers of the body. So we're getting into those connective tissues, uh, the joints, and, and then ultimately into the riverways and the meridians, so the pathways where our life force is flowing through. Mm-hmm. And so the, the simplest way I can describe it is much like when you go to an acupuncturist, for those of you who have received acupuncture and have had needles in your body, you wait, like the, the acupuncturist leaves you there for a period of time to help manipulate the chi, if you will, or the prana or that life force that uh, is innate to us being alive and, and stitched together. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the benefit is to go there to con- conduct an element of, uh, I'm not saying it correctly, I was going to say reactivity, but of, uh, of interplay in, in the body. Okay. And then the release is really, and so the, I was going to say my teacher, I just want to shout out to Paul Grilly. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the release in that, what you experience on the outside of holding a posture is what kind of takes you into the, the riverway of, of infinity within you. Mm-hmm. And so you'll experience a whole host of um, sensations, if you will, be it felt, emotional, mental. Okay, so three minutes or more, and, you, and you're saying the foundation of yin is like there's five main postures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about those five postures in a minute, but let's walk through that three minutes. So we, we get into the beginning of a posture and then are we breathing and then going deeper with each breath or mm. are we just like holding the same tension? What, what are we doing? Oh, beautiful. You're saying all the right words. Thank you. <laughs> so we work with three main principles in a yin yoga practice. And the first one is once we've identified the posture, so let's say it's a wide-legged forward fold, you would then come to an edge where you feel a physical sensation in your body and you'd arrive in that space of awareness of knowing you're feeling something. It would be in the inner groins, likely, Mm -hmm. maybe the hamstrings, the outer glutes, the lower back. And then we measure the edge between, on a scale from one to 10, we're very simple. Where, firstly, where are you feeling it in your body and how much are you feeling it? And so the suggestion is to feel it, the sensation, we are working with sensation here. So it is to feel it between a three and a five on that scale from one to 10. Really, a three to five? Yes. Okay. And so assuming that if we went above five, we could be getting into a point where we may be doing a little bit of damage, like say if we were like a seven, eight or nine or something like Correct. that, we, we could actually be doing some damage. Yes. It could be injurious at that time. That's a good clarification. I've never actually had someone measure that. They, they mm. just, I've just had people make vague statements like um, just, you know, go until you feel it, but don't go too much. But, you know, yeah. three to five, that's an actual measurement. So I like that. Okay. Uh, And then these five postures, um, what are these five postures? And I'm literally going to do this after this conversation. You are? Oh gosh. And I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this, um, after our conversation here with my wife. So, Oh, this is amazing. And I, I will, I'll send you the document because, you know, God bless these times. Now information is just free flowing, which is really cool. Another thing to be 
super grateful for. So um, originally we had broken them down into seven archetypal poses. I mean, I have, this is a very old manual of mine. Um, but just to, to break down the postures, we have something we call shoelace. And that is targeting, um, from a myofascial standpoint, it's targeting the glutes and the IT band. Mm -hmm. And um, probably the most classic one that listeners might be aware of, if you have a foundation at all in yoga, would be what we call pigeon pose in yang. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then what we offer here are variations that help you discern where you're feeling it in your body. Because... The other fundamental belief of a yin yoga practice is that not all bodies are created the same. Yeah. And skeletal variation is, is noted, respected, and um, honed in here. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally, pigeon for me, I feel it in my hips and my hamstrings. I've got like mm. ultra tight hamstrings. Okay. So okay. shoelace is the first one. And shoelace is the first one. Mm -hmm. Another is pigeon. Uh, that is, that's in the shoelace family. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, I can, I'll show you this very briefly. We, we started working ah. from seven. And so oh. in your body, I would say, okay, target area is the glutes and the IT band. Okay, and so here's one form that you can come into. Let's see. But, you know, you oh, could yeah. have massive internal hip rotation and that this isn't even accessible in mm -hmm. your skeleton. Mm -hmm. so, that's, so that's a category. So the shoelace is like a family. It's like a family. category. There's a bunch of different like exercises within there that you could do or postures you could hold within there. And that's yes. like the, one of the places you'd start. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, and, and we don't have to do these in this order. It's just simply because I'm looking at this, this mm -hmm. manual here. Um, the next one is what we call seal. And that gets into the, the quads and the hip flexors and um, the rectus abdominis. So basically the whole front line of the body. Mm -hmm. And classic... Um, I, I like seal pose, but we saddle is, is one of the like quintessential classics. And in a traditional, like maybe Bikram or Young um, uh, program, if you will, uh, the instructor may come up to you and try and draw the knees in together, which could be extremely injurious to the person depending on their anatomical structure. I literally can't even do that straddle. Like I can do one side at a time, but my quads are so tight. If I, if I try to go past like my back leaning back 45 degrees, I feel like my front of my legs will snap. So yes, <laughs> seriously. And so that's, that's the great awareness firstly that you have of your body. So kudos to you because that's what all of these practices do is they help us come into a, a sense of awareness of our sensation with, with pain and pleasure, like having that target area. I mean, how do you first identify if it's a three or a five, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you maybe have given birth, women are, are pretty good at now judging <laughs> that yeah. scale, I'd say. I'm, I'm assuming giving birth is a 10. <laughs> if not off the Richter, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we have shoelace, we have saddle, um, we have caterpillar, dragonfly, and then twist. And so Caterpillar is probably going to be the family that you're going to love, which is targeted to the hamstrings and the um, 
lumbar spine. Thor, Paul likes to call it the thoracal lumbar spine. So we're incorporating sort of all of it. Mm-hmm. And essentially it is, it's a forward fold of sorts. Do I have this oh, proper okay. in this family right here? What's, what's your favorite caterpillar posture? Uh, butterfly. Butterfly. And so that's soles of the feet to touch and then allowing the, it looks like this in, in the legs basically. And then you come to your variation of that forward fold. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it, this is probably the most, uh, it invokes devotion for me straight away. So it's probably the posture I would go to first. It's probably the posture I teach 80% of the time at the beginning of class. Really? Okay. Just the bowing of the head to the heart, the drain of the brain to the earth, and then the opening of the whole entire lower body and, and the back of, of the spine. A good place to start. So when you're doing that, when you are folding forwards, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you're trying to keep the, the lower back portion of your body straight and not like arch over and like fold forwards like that. So that is a traditional um, teaching uh, that came to the West through alignment cues, um, which this, the cool thing about yin yoga too, and I mean, if we talk for hours, but is to desensationalize the concept of alignment cues, of telling a person where their hands and feet should be. Okay. Because those are the furthest things away from the joints and, and all that we're actually trying to get into. And so if we have some sort of skeletal variation or, you know, bowed, bowed legs or internally rotated, you get the point. Um, and so in terms of a flat back or a rounded spine, what we're really looking to do is to invoke a receptive mode. And okay. so spine could be rounded uh, if that's more at ease in your posture because the remembrance would be that we're coming towards a specific target area in the body and that primarily would be the lower body. So i got a quick question. This is more of like some personal, I suppose, mentoring you can give me. So when I'm in positions where I, I need to bend forward and I've got my legs out or I've got my legs folded. I feel really, really tight and I find it really hard to like stretch forwards and I can look over and I can see like a girl beside me and she'll have her hand wrapped around her foot and she's <laughs> touching the bottom of a heel. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can only basically touch my knees or something like that. So how would you suggest that I actually get a bit more stretch out of it? Um, and mm-hmm. cause I find it difficult to like lean forwards. I feel like I need to pull on something, you know? Hmm. And I wonder why do you feel like you need to pull on something? So you look like the person who's, who's practicing next to you. Um, Oh no, not necessarily. It's just, I feel like my body is naturally flexing me backwards and to get to the point of being between a three or five, I feel like I need someone to like push on my back or I need to pull on the bottom side of my legs or something. Otherwise my body just goes back and I go back to like one or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. So just to understand correctly, if your feet are together and your and your knees are splaying outward, you're you would be feeling about a one sensation on that scale and kind of the the hip flexors and, and the, the target areas, the glutes and the inner yep. groin. I know you're not in it at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I mean that is the beauty of kind of working together one on one is that I could then see your body and then yeah. ask you 
kind of a series of questions. But ultimately, the inquiry is going to be, you know, where is the target area supposed to be right now? Like, where am I trying to feel this in my body? And how, how can I get there? What do I need to do? And so we're probably, we're working with a set of variables called compression and tension. And so you've either hit an area of compression, probably a femur bone, hip socket, um, or you have uh, tension and there's tension somewhere in your body that's not enabling you to, let's say, forward fold as much. Yeah. You're yeah. feeling in your lower spine. Okay. And so, um, you know, one variation would be to extend one leg straight and to have one sole of the foot into the inner groin hmm. and then to try to rotate the hips from there, like to, to tilt the pelvis forward and see then where you feel it in your body. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to have a subsequent conversation with you about yeah. this, um, but basically working with those two ideas that it, it's either uh, tension or compression that's limiting range of motion. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. And that was totally a personal note. So, so thank you on that one. So Love we it. talked about the shoelace family, the seal family, the caterpillar family, and then let's, let's dig a little bit on the dragonfly family. Yes. Well done. Uh, and that's the one I was kind of mentioning at the very beginning. And so, um, you know, for the those who want to see here, here's our dragonfly variation. This is sort of number one that I would, I would speak to would be, of course, I don't even come all the way down on, on this posture, wow. but what we're going and butterfly falls into that family as well. So they kind of interchange depending on where you feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. And so the key takeaway will be, hey, here's a set of, of postures that you can inquire within. And then here are some uh, target areas to identify. And then each person who chooses to kind of take this little journey, um, you know, they can play around and then pop me an email if you ever have any questions, for sure. Sure, sure. And for yeah. everybody listening, we're going to be sharing those details later on, too. And they'll be in the show notes as well. Great. Um, so, you know, I was going to say simple, I don't know if anything's simple, but, um, groins and, and hamstring would be the target area then for mm -hmm. our dragonfly. Okay. And then we move to what I feel like is my favorite and definitely go to every day is a spinal twist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do enjoy, I don't know if I've done that many twists in yoga, but I like the one where I get my... I get my elbow on the other side of my knee and then turn around oh. and like I, that one just feels so good. It's, it's amazing. <sighs> and it's amazing how much I can actually twist once I like go with the breath. Yeah. Like deepen in my breath and twist around and I can actually see around the other side of, of what's going on the other side. And it's a really wow. cool feeling too. Amazing. Yeah. Just imagine all the love that you're, you're giving your organs. You're just literally ringing, ringing out the liver kidneys everything's getting a little mm. yeah that that's interesting can you talk a little bit more on that uh, i know a lot of yoga instructors have actually said you know you, you're working on this organ right now in this position like th mm -hmm. this is fascinating to me so we're literally working on our organs when we're in certain postures <laughs> i knew you were going to go there from that little slide in you know i mean all, all exercise in general is affecting uh our our vital 
health, if you will. You know, if you think of uh, getting into um, the inner layers and the, the movement of qi, so in traditional Chinese medicine, um, the belief is that we have these meridians or these major riverways where energy flows. Mm -hmm. And the pathways are, are through our organs. And so um, you could actually overlay these uh, particular, these five um, archetypal poses and overlay them, which we won't get into today, but with like the meridian system, for example. Mm -hmm. And so if we're doing, I'll give one case in point, if we're doing, uh, let's call it, well, we were just there. If we're doing dragonfly or a wide legged forward fold, mm -hmm. we're targeting, um, pretend my arm is obviously my leg. We're targeting the inner line, which is the groin mm -hmm. and then the back of the spine and, and kind of bending from forward we're, we're cinching the the internal organs but that line that meridian line is said to be um attached to the liver and gallbladder mm -hmm. and so generally speaking when uh an instructor would say you know you know rinse your rinse your organs or, or whatever the the languaging might be um it's because those specific folds or twists are are getting into the the riverways of energy much like back to acupuncture and where the needles are placed at certain acu points mm -hmm. that then target each major meridian. Through yoga. That's awesome. Mm. So like of, of our main organs, when we're going through these five family groups, do you feel like we're hitting most of them? Um, we are. Yeah. Um, so kidneys, urinary bladder, um, Stomach, uh, spleen, the whole digestive tract, if you go there, heart, uh, mm -hmm. pericardium, um, and liver, gallbladder. I think I just nailed most of <laughs> the major ones that we're aware of. And uh, are we supposed to be doing something after this practice? So we've done our 15 minutes. We've, we've had our stretches. stretches we've, uh, we've massaged our internal organs. Do we need to like then drink a bunch of water, go to the restroom, mm. pee some toxins out? Um, <laughs> like what's, what, what should we, we be doing afterwards? You know, interesting. And I would love to hear responses, but I have found um, – that yes, oftentimes you, you might have to go to the restroom. Um, always water is advised. I would suggest though, before you get up from the practice, that is when you're going to be in the most, uh, I was in equi how do you say it? Equanimity. You're going to have the most equanimity or homeostasis in your body. Mm -hmm. So it would be a beautiful moment to sit in reflection. Okay. Uh, or to, you know, if you're, if it's bedtime to lie, lie in that space and just inquire within like what, what sensations are you then experiencing? Okay. Um, interesting. Hmm. So, so you were saying, okay, so like three minutes, five groups, that's 15 minutes, yes. but then you were also mentioning earlier that we throw a, a corpse pose in on the end of that too, right? Yes. Yeah. So yes. And then what would be the minimum? that you would require for that or that you would suggest? Cause it probably depends on how someone feels and there's probably no maximum to it. But what right. would you say the minimum time is to hold that sort of corpse pose? I mean, I would love to see it be twice as long as the hold of each posture. So in that case, okay. we would say, go ahead and say six minutes. Yeah. 
But the thing is, like, with a home practice, we have to be cognizant of, like, if I'm using my phone as my timer, well, then I have distraction. Mm-hmm. So at some point, we have to dare to allow our energy to guide us and just yeah. be within it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing you on that one. That would, that would be, like, a terrible distraction at the end of a corpse pose where you're so kind of lost in the moment, then yes. an alarm's going off. That, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So, and then you're saying at that point, this is like the perfect time to harness that moment and, and, and use it to our advantage. Maybe meditate on something, maybe, you know, process some thoughts or just, mm-hmm. just check out how we feel. Maybe write some notes in our gratitude journal or something like this. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say that's actually a great time to do. And it's often what we teach and I teach on retreats is, um, just to go into a stream of consciousness and to write for, you know, five minutes, like uninterrupted, like not being concerned with um, spelling or what is actually coming out. So really from a place of non-judgment of just of release. Yeah. Do you, do you ever go back and like read those notes um, <laughs> or do you just do it to release? I do it to release. I am one who a does not like to hear any of like my pre-recorded work <laughs> and or b really go back to um, journals or I mean notes from study for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything that's more contemplative or um, a kind of of a purging practice, I might call it, I tend to try and leave it behind. It just was what it was and it served mm-hmm. you at that moment and, and mm-hmm. now you're in a new moment. Yes. Okay. So you're involved in quite a few things. And I know that you combine, you know, Reiki energy and Mm -hmm. chakra balancing and essential oil energetics um, and and, and all of this. So Mm -hmm. how how are these things playing an additional benefit and how do you tie them all together? Because I know that you call this your soul support, subtle energy healing. And Mm -hmm. I find that quite fascinating. Yes. Um, Well, how do I tie them all together? Um, Well, I love essential oils. So I work, I've been working with essential oils and the energetics of them. And then I learned a technique called aromatouch or raindrop therapy, where you apply uh, certain essential oils to the spine Mm -hmm. and then to the feet. And so that kind of became one of my first practices. Obviously, now I'm not really in a place where I'm working one-on-one in in touch form with individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the blessing and the beauty of Reiki, which is, you know, our innate, it's, it's life force energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be used, uh, distance. Like for example, I sent it to <laughs> our, our call today. Um, and so I combine the, the, it's a subtle healing energy that, uh, evokes a receptive mode for, for people. And then I bring in um, the essential energetic notes start to speak to me like through a form of, of, um, of channeling. I mean, all of this starts to sound really woo-woo and esoteric and, and cosmic. Oh. So uh, Go there. Totally. Love it. <laughs> I'm aware of that and then calling myself out on that. But how it looks today, I guess, to answer the question is I'm working with my clients remotely and... Um, They'll basically come into a safe, uh, surrendered space, much like a corpse pose. Mm-hmm. And um, I will send them uh, distance healing, distance Reiki. I, I sit with a clear channel of what's 
sort of coming through for them. And then I create um, an organic essential scent that is specific for their healing and the, the positive attributes of that session. And so that really is that, that soul session, if you will. So it kind of sounds like you've got a, a handful of different sort of tools in your tool belt, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you're doing like a custom sort of channeling ends where that person's at, what their specific needs are and, and adapting to that and saying, okay, we need to do some essential oils. Um, maybe we're going to do some Reiki work or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's, it's not one size fits all. It's like case by case. Yes. Soul by soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, um, and I know that you're doing this, like you're, you typically, and you probably would prefer to be doing this one-on-one, um, mm-hmm. you know, in person, but the circumstances right now with everything restricts mm-hmm. us from doing that. And so I know that you have been for a while doing like yoga classes and one-on-one trainings virtually. Um, mm-hmm. What's that experience been like for you? And uh, cause I know it's really, really picking up for you and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's really becoming like seriously high demand. So what's that like for you and what's he, what are most people oh, you with? Yes. Gosh, well, I'm so, I'm so grateful for these times because it's really forced me to, to come into this platform. And so thank you. I would just want to presence that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've started offering something called yin within. And uh, what I found was that I was hugely distracted by all of this technology as we were, we were speaking to and nervous system fried, like feeling almost like I can't find space, even though it's like, that's kind of all we're given. It, it was just an interesting concept that I was um, experiencing. And so I put out a little pilot to my students and said, what if for 45 minutes we tune in to our screens without actually tuning into the screen? So the invitation is to go dark. We set up the space, mm. each individual. And I, I say, just take up your living room floor, pretend like you're having a slumber party with yourself light some candles, make it sacred. And then I give them the five poses that we've discussed ahead of time in case they need a a Mm re-remembering. And then I'll speak to them the postures and I'll send along um, a playlist that they can play to. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I invite in, uh, I love working with artists and musicians. And so I have a dear friend who does sound healing with all of her sound bowls. And so sometimes she'll come through and we call it a sound healing and yin yoga. Um, Awesome. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm loving it. And, and the reception is really positive and that's, that's the most important thing. And people are saying, Oh my gosh, I finally slept last night. Like, yeah. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. All of these things. And, you know, you were talking before about distractions of technology and, and that's probably even just from the, you know, all the pings that are coming in from the messages and knowing that, Oh, someone emailed me, I've got to get back to them. But like on top of that, we've had people on the show, scientists that are literally talking about the radiation that's coming out of technology uh-huh. and, you know, like having, having phones around us all the time and having like TV on all the time and everything like that. It's, it's not just um, the distraction of what's happening on there. It's, it's also the radiation that's coming from there. People like completely addicted to their devices, like kids walking around with things all the time. And it's, you know, I, I, I'm using technology right now. We're using technology right now. My business wouldn't survive without it. So it's mm-hmm. definitely useful and it has some powerful benefits. Um, 
but, it, but there's also some things that we probably feel instinctively um, like, oh, you know, this technology is like too much for me right now, but then, mm-hmm. and we can measure it scientifically. And I find that kind of fascinating. Wow. I think that's, that's pretty interesting. But you also do some one-on-ones too, don't you? And you do like mm-hmm. custom consultations. If someone wanted to come with you, um, then you could sort of look at what their scenario is and work with them on that too. Yes, 100%. I call it sadhana support and sadhana means uh, daily ritual Mm -hmm. uh, or like a sacred spiritual practice kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation and what Mm -hmm. dropped in um, in the the first realm of those travels. And so it's really, I just work one-on-one with individuals to help them establish something that they feel good about and, um, and, and then help to hold them accountable in terms of having a daily practice. And it could be breath work. It can be coupled with essential oils, of course, in yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't mind sharing with us, cause I love rituals. I've got my own daily mm-hmm. ritual. I swear by it. I do it in the morning. Uh, the days I do do it, I feel amazing. If I have a day when I skip it or I, or I, or I put it off, I kind of feel off for the rest of the day. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. what, what daily rituals do you have for yourself right now? Oh, well, present moment. So mine, they're kind of, uh, I, I switch them up. <laughs> sure. um, present moment is I wake up and I have a rebounder and I just start bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And then, you know, boil and I get the kettle going and I'm, I'm a coffee ritual girl. I grind my beans. I do the pour over. It's my thing. And then I sit mm-hmm. and have a couple of daily cards that I pull inspiration from and um, do like a internal scan chakra meditation. That right now is like the absolute go-to in the morning. I mean, mm-hmm. aside from brushing my teeth and scraping my tongue. Like you have to do that every day. Like that's what you do. You might yeah. add some other things on, but those things are going to get done. Like every Yes, day. Yeah. without a doubt. And how much time do you carve out? I am now, new role is I am not taking any appointments after or until after 1030. Perfect. <laughs> in the morning. Perfect. And, yeah. and interestingly, I do my uh, routine or, or ritual in the morning. I find it's the most effective time. As soon as we wake up, um, there's probably a lot of science behind it. Um, yeah. It's almost everybody that I speak to chooses to do it in the morning and like mm-hmm. carving out time to do it. And, and I'll tell you guys, if you're listening and you, and you haven't created a, a morning ritual yet, I would highly recommend that you do so because for me personally, it literally changes my day. And, you know, I've had days where like, I, I don't have time to do my morning ritual and I'll do my day. And then I realized that if I had have done my morning ritual and even carved out an hour to do it, which seems absurd, um, I'm much more productive and I can do like 10 hours work in six hours. And so it ends up like giving us extra time at the end of the day anyway. Um, and I, I can't help but noticing right now, you've got a bike behind you there. Is that, <laughs> is that part of your daily ritual right now? Yes. So this is a, a, a plug for Peloton. Um, so blessed by this. Uh, 10 days in the making of having a used Peloton and it is a game changer. It is, yeah. um, I think I was telling you that um, I've been finding that I, it's very easy for me to go up here. Like I can sit in meditation and introspection and um, you know, work with my inner child and do all these things that are absolutely necessary. But 
not necessarily, you know, we are physical beings in a material world, like on this plane. And so it's very important to have that aspect of physicality as well. And so I had slammed like my finger in the, the car door the other day and I like kicked one of the weights on my floor and I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh gosh, I'm not grounded. Like I'm not really here. I'm not in my physical body. And it's mm. saying, hey. And so hence the Peloton came um, through other magic. And I mean, the instructors are phenomenal. The classes are just, and, and speaking to that shift, it's like, mm. you know, you don't feel like doing it. You're aching in your body. You get on for 20, 20 minutes. It's nothing massive. It's, you know, but it's life changing. It's empowering. So radical. That's awesome. I, you know, I've done CrossFit for probably like four or five years and now I'm doing my mm-hmm. own CrossFit workouts at home. And there's so many days where I'm like, Oh, I'm so sore from everything. And like, I just, it doesn't feel right that I should be working out today, but then I do it and I feel absolutely amazing. And it's almost like that's what my body was calling for. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. So um, l- let me go here. If you were, if your 20 year old self was to call you up right now, and um, ask you for one piece of advice. What, what piece of advice would you be giving? What one message would you wanna pass on to your 20 year old self? I wanna say, yes, you can. Like, yes, you can. Instead of going down the road of doing what you think other people think you should be doing, you can do what it is that you desire what it is that you're choosing to do for example you know go to go to interior design school like continue with that path if that's truly what's of interest to you Mm -hmm. yeah and you know Mm -hmm. as where as your story is unfolding i've actually heard a consistent theme of you uh, courageously pushing yourself into the unknown it's kind of like step by step that's what you've done the whole way and so Mm -hmm. i think that's great i think that's awesome yeah um I am curious, uh, a lot of people, uh, freedom is, is explained differently by each of us. So I know what freedom means to me and I know what living a freedom lifestyle lives to me, but that isn't exactly going to be the same fit for somebody else. So what, would, what, what is your version of the ultimate freedom lifestyle? What would that look like for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, I mean, Hakuna Matata, no worries. (laughs) I don't know if that's possible, but... um, I mean, freedom to me is, is, is having the choice to, to do what we feel called to do. And so in that, I very much can say, like, I've, I feel a sense of freedom because I know, I know now that it is, it's a choice and it's me uh, switching my, my awareness, kind of as we were saying, from the external to the internal. Mm-hmm. Um, so blessed to have the tools. Um, so having tools, having community, um, being able to share gifts, experiences, that this is freedom to me. This truly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent. So you feel like you're living a freedom lifestyle. I do. That's I mean, it's a, it's a conscious choice because I go, you know, we can all go into the fear rabbit hole. Um, but what I know is true is that like I've always been taken care of thus far in life, why would it be any differently? Yeah. And I, I truly feel that when we make a decision 
Uh, even if rationality says like, it just does not make sense right now, but your heart knows or your gut knows, and it just says, oh, yeah. I know this is the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing right now. And then we, we take that step, we take that leap and then we do it. I feel like the divine steps in and just, you know, things work out every mm -hmm. time that I've done that in my life. And the more that I progress in that direction and do something that's true to me, everything just seems to fall together. And it's almost like a lot of the stresses that would have otherwise existed don't exist as much or, or at a different capacity. And I was even talking to you earlier today about, you know, coming into this conversation about having a bit mm -hmm. of a stressful day and, and, um, and I'm looking forward to our conversation to sort of equalize that. Uh, but I've made the choice of everything in my life that has given stress. So like I can own it. It, it doesn't feel like, Oh, I've got all these pressures from everybody else. And, and it's completely mm -hmm. my choice. And that's a really mm -hmm. freeing place to be in. So, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I have that stress because I push myself so much to do so many things. And so it's, that's, it's freeing within itself. Correct. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate that insight. Yeah. Yes. And so if we were to um, say something to our listeners right now who are looking to live a freedom mm -hmm. lifestyle, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could give to them on their journey to freedom? Mm. I'd say come self self care is not selfish. It's, mm. it's um, having respect for yourself. And so coming back to that daily ritual. And so starting with something that is, is sacred, that makes you feel good about why, why you're getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I know that you have a, a very special event and, um, and that you're hosting and it's in the majestic sacred Valley of Peru. And the event is called peace in Peru, a cultural, a cultural yoga experience. And I really want to hear more about what this is all about. So can you share that with us? Oh, yes. Well, it's interesting because I named, I named it before these times. And so how much do we know that we're, you know, we are all seeking uh, peace. But as you know, I have an affinity for travel and I love taking people on experiences that are on their bucket list and, you know, otherwise would have never thought that they could do. So creating a passageway through. Um, so the, the beauty and the compliment of this is that we're in this sacred valley, literally, and we're seeing these ancient um, ruins, experiencing culture and village life, if you will. Um, also hiking, so getting into the physicality of the body, grounded with earth, supported with yin yoga and meditation, good food. A um, couple of musician friends are going to come along and help serenade the way. Really? Hmm. Yeah, like like yeah. sound bowls and sound bowls and acoustic guitar. Yes, okay. Rain, like some sh shamanic journey action <laughs> is gonna probably be taking place to the extent that one wants to participate. Beautiful. And like, what's the length of this this retreat? Yes, so it's a, a ten day uh, curated experience, and then to the extent that one wants to take it, you know, outward wow. from there. Very well. That, that is awesome. And like, I've got to say for anybody who hasn't had an experience of full immersion like that, mm -hmm. um, it's something that like all of us need to do and just think about it simply like this. So if you're, if you're thinking, okay, 
I do 15 minutes of yin yoga and then I feel good after that. Imagine how you would feel after like 10 days of mm -hmm. full immersion with music and dietary and, and flexibility and groundedness and, and everything. I mean, I'm sure after like 10 days of you being there, you're just going to be like floating in the clouds and just feeling absolutely euphoric. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when do we give ourselves that time? And I think it's something that we actually deserve to carve the time out to give to ourselves, to actually recharge ourselves and, and give ourselves new possibilities. It's so true. I mean, and that goes back to self-care. It's like no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. We have to take responsibility in that way. And it's not selfish. Yeah. And so I know this event was originally uh, scheduled for December 3rd to 12th. Um, yeah. Can you give us some updates on that? I know there's a lot of things mm. in lockdown. Well, currently uh, in conversation, so it's, it's co-hosted by International Yoga, which they're an amazing outfit. And I'm, I'm super honored and grateful to be working and collaborating with them as one of their teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're looking at the environment and, and just as things are changing day by day. And, you know, initially, I never thought that that as December approaches that it would be negotiable, mm -hmm. but we're yeah. probably going to go ahead and offer it next uh probably late fall uh okay. of 2021 okay um i was still interested in that time period of the year as we're kind of moving in more to the, the winter you know solstice and and mm -hmm. wanted to be more in in the the element of of shadow and darkness and um uh in a way of going inward okay yeah. okay and then how would, how would listeners be able to stay in touch with you so they could find out the updates of when that's going to be, or, or maybe they want to, you know, have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with you or tune in with you for one of your 45 minute sessions. Yes, please. Oh, I'd love, love for that to happen. You can find me on Instagram as Yinster Yogi mm -hmm. <laughs> or SusanRay.love is the website. And, um, email address is yinsteryogi at gmail. And um, those would be the ways to, to be in contact and to have a really organic, connected conversation. Awesome. Thank you. And again, for all of you listening and watching right now, those are going to be in the show notes. Um, so you can easily tune in there. So um, I thank you so much for your time thank today, you. Susan. It's been thank an amazing you. conversation. And mm. thank you for carving out the time. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Be well. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us? I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a page out of uh, Paul Grilly's book that says little by little, and that just keeps coming to mind. So it's little by little, as we do these little things, they have more of an accumulative effect on our, our psyche, our person, our, our ways of being. May we be well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. You've been a wealth of knowledge and I always love your energy. You're just such a great Thank you. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I will follow up with an email right now with the five archetypal poses.
Perfect. Perfect. Great. And thanks for all you guys for tuning in today. Again, if you really got something out of this, make sure you subscribe to the Freedom Hack Radio uh, YouTube channel. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the love. We're all here to live a freedom lifestyle. And I truly, truly hope that you're taking steps on your path to living that life. So uh, until next week, I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. Live large and live